0: Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We've been talking about quite a lot of things this morning and one of the things we began with is uh, the various brainwashing that's going on on the BBC Radio 4 at the moment. So uh, it evolved into quite an interesting conversation that we'd like to share with you. Okay, let's start off with what we were talking about before. Uh, My question to you was, what is it that the BBC, or those who are in control of the BBC, wish us to believe at the moment? What kind of line are they pushing? What are they preparing us for, or what are they preparing us to believe in the future and to accept now?
1: Well, pretty well everything that that comes out of their mouth is some sort of bloody nudge
0: She's a darn shame, yeah.
1: there you go. I mean a couple of things jumping out at me this morning. Well, I mean basically you're asking me what got you shouting at the radio
0: <laughs>
1: today, yeah. you know. Because yeah. I take it as a penance that I listen to that damn thing. Yeah. You know. Uh, but you it's, are
0: often in quite a bad mood after.
1: Yeah, it's, <laughs> well they, they fucking annoy the shit out of me. Why do I take on this penance? Well, because, uh, and this torture. It, well, because the Radio 4 Today programme is reputed to set, set the, the news agenda for the day. Now, the weird thing thing is, they tell you what was in the papers yesterday, or the early editions, because it starts at six o'clock. I think this thing, might even be half past five, I Forget no, six o'clock it starts. Three hours, every day of the week except Sunday. Uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure about Saturday, whether that's truncated. But anyway, certainly Monday to Friday, three hours of, news and comment and uh, but, but they don't do anything investigative they well, very little no i think i don't think they do anything investigative they do interviews on the program i mean they, they they can get ministers and prime ministers and high representatives of of other other countries and you know they have that clout it is the bbc and uh, but they 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 basically uh, report the news as it's coming into the newspapers and it's of course it's the mainstream it's the daily mail
0: reporting on the newspapers really in a
1: sense they're doing that but in a sense they're also setting the agenda for the newspapers because they've got that you know because tomorrow's newspaper will be informed by what they've discussed even though they're informed by so this this it it, it has this sort of parasitic relationship with with the daily mail really and the the telegraph and or all the rest of it. So it is important. You've got these three hours, and and it also like many, many millions of people listen yeah, that's to. That's why it.
0: I think it's important yeah. to kind of know what, like a lot of people, like millions yeah. of people, are being yeah. presented with every day. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, it is literally millions of people, and if you think about it, this is this is this is the talk radio that goes on on the way to work in the car nipping on the radio I I used
0: to listen to radio four years ago just I used to turn it on and listen to it just see
1: what's happening in the world and so it's kind of setting the agenda like that but it does have a very very wide circulation and and a lot of kudos and stuff attached to it but in a sense it itself is nudged now or allows itself to be nudged I'm not quite sure what the, the detail of this relationship is And I will try and find out. But it is basically Twitter. So so Twitter... Reporting on Twitter. (laughs) Well, Twitter in a sense is like nudging them. Yeah. And uh, the Twitter base is quite small. It's not Facebook in terms of Facebook. Facebook's got billions worldwide. Twitter doesn't have that many. But it's still like a lot of people, right? It's still a lot of people. But it doesn't have anywhere near that base, but it's it's very rapid fire. It's it's on the minute. You can mm-hmm. but you can you can you can have a video that was taken three or four seconds ago of somebody having their legs shot off in Gaza, you know. Or, uh, uh, or the uh,
0: latest protest in the various. Yeah, yeah, and it it
1: comes through very, very rapidly. And of course it's mm. got this short form. Yeah. You can now write longer stuff apparently. I mean I do see some they must have allowed an extended tweet. We you get almost an essay like a 500 word or a 1000 word essay usually bullet pointed it does force you to kind of pull your thought in which is as, as, as pros and cons as you can imagine you know I mean the con being massive oversimplification is going to happen massive death of nuance Um, but on, on the plus side it's forcing people to distill their thoughts you know they tend to get distilled into slogans and stuff but nevertheless, it's it's kind of influential, and I I mean I I use it as a kind of taking the temperature of the patient, kind <laughs> yes. of scenario yeah. as I do with the radio four. That's like that's sending him down for a scan, you know, or yeah. you know. So you got these, you know, to, to my mind, what one enters these zones of discourse in 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 order to diagnose the patient, really, you know, don't. I would advise. I not advise anybody to expect news. You know, you can get news on Twitter, but you have to double check it. You can get news on radio. O- occasionally, they do something pretty good. I'm not. I'm not wanting to say blanket. You know, however, it's pretty clear to me that their main job is to nudge the public mood and the public uh, um, acceptance of certain ideas, and, and and therefore, of courses of action, political courses of action. To my mind, there isn't any doubt about that and it became really, really apparent when when the establishment decided to politically assassinate Jeremy Corbyn because he was offering some sort of mildly social democratic ideas in in, in the manifesto which to my mind was a good manifesto because 2017 particularly and a doable manifesto could have been done other countries have done far more radical things and it would have been better for everybody except they would have the establishment would applied hell; they would sabotage it at every turn. So once I saw, once I saw the way Radio Four managed that, and I'd got like a different picture because I was getting different sources of information, like talking to Labour Party members and things like that. Yeah, basic stuff. That that I was thoroughly convinced of what, formerly I had a strong su- suspicion of, which is that the BBC is a propaganda outfit. You know, and then of course, if you watch the um, the Panorama, which is a pack, pack of lois, you know, and, and, and the way that the Labour establishment just just buckled un, under the strain and paid people off when they should have took them to court and defeated them. So it's a propaganda outfit. And now, OK, what's jumping out at me now, which is what we were talking about earlier on? Well, two things. There are many more things than this, but two things. Uh One... They wanted to get us to accept that the Israeli uh, state is a good actor in the world. In other words, uh, Benjamin, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and his coalition government are somehow the good guys, <laughs> <laughs> right? Forced
0: to sit like gasp in disbelief.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of work on that. Uh, on, on nudging the people in that direction in the face of hundreds of millions of people no exaggeration worldwide out on the streets and they'll be out this saturday in record numbers you can guarantee everywhere on the planet that's something they don't tell us yeah i would I, like i would, really lo- I would like to have that, some yeah. i would like to have reports from the arab strait on the bbc in the morning and then also from dc and from Helsinki and Kuala Lumpur and all of these places and Johannesburg where there are these huge, 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 huge. tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands strong uh, marches and demonstrations in, in, in support of the Palestinian people. That's number one. Number two, they, they want us to accept... That climate change can be mitigated without any draconian, sudden, decisive curtailment of fossil fuel consumption and polluting uh, styles of agriculture and so on. They want us to believe that carbon capture and storage uh, it can be decisive in this matter and my, my take is that it can't and that it's too dangerous to assume that it can by all means do it if you can kind of uh, you, you know if you think you've got a technological angle on this uh, yeah why not pursue, pursue it but don't think that it's going to do it everything but they're wanting us to believe that it's much more of a panacea than it is. It's not a panacea. It's nowhere near a panacea. It's an unproven technology at the moment.
0: So I want to to believe that uh, just burning the fossil fuels will be just fine. No worries. Nothing to see here.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, and, it, and it is basically to, to, to produce a, a kind of a calming, you know, a self uh, um, It's basically to produce a calming of, a, of an already agitated public and polarise public, you know. And also its primary function seems to be one of another of its primary also another of its primary functions seems to be to protect the profits of the fucking fossil fuel industry. And also it signifies the way in which our governments, worldwide, are captured by that industry. And it uses its money, its surplus money, because there is immensely wealthy industries, you know. Bear in your mind, mind that, say, the Saudi royal family is a key stakeholder in it, an owner of it, you know. And you see how powerful they are in their own local context. And, of course, all the American oil companies and BP. They are immensely powerful. And they do a revolving door with government, the same as the military-industrial complex. They spend a lot of money on it, the cokes, and so I keep reiterating, have been spending money on it for fucking fifty years plus, coke industries, because they, you know, the coke brothers were ideologically committed to this to a, a very rabid strand of neoliberalism, and used their billions and billions and billions to. First of all, get the public to accept that climate change isn't real. Well, when that didn't sort of quite work, well, okay, it is real, but we can we can we can we can adapt to it. This is the one thing you're going to get. There's going to be a lot of talk about adaptation. I'm making a prediction then There'll be a lot of talk, mainstream media about adaptation to climate change, rather than trying to reverse it or anything like that, or at least halted halted at 1.5, which looks like it's not going to happen. Uh, Adaptation and, and then mitigation through 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 technological means, which will enable us to continue to 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 mine and burn fossil fuels, and we are being nudged that way. Uh, a guy, to my mind, seems to talk a lot of sense about this stuff. Is a guy called Andreas Malm. He's a Swedish writer. I've only recently discovered him, but. Uh, I like the cut of his jib so far. He seems to be a, a, a very um, detailed, critical thinker about all of, all of these matters. And he's, he's been obsessed with climate for some decades. He, he says, and his he's, um, he's, his other his other topic of course is why he's so is Palestine. You know, he spent time in in Gaza and uh, the West Bank and so forth researching. Prodigious writer. And he takes the view. He says, "Same, you know, when I when I heard him talking about this, I thought, yeah, that's where I'm picking up." And he's he's saying, "Just watch out, you'll see this. You're going to be nudged. They're going to try and sell to the public two ideas: adaptation and carbon capture. That that's what's going to sort it all out." He says, "But what's actually really needed is war communism. <laughs> you know, it is that urgent. This, of course, is what Slavoj Zizek is saying. Yeah. It is war communism, with a, glo- a global a global." A global power, some authority that's empowered by the nations of the world to to, to make it happen. So he's saying that. Now I mean just to you said to me well what is carbon capture you know and I've I've been hearing about this for for, for years you know and um, what it is just in case anybody doesn't know is that say you were generating electricity by burning gas in in a power station. Now the, the the byproduct of the burning of the gas is mostly carbon dioxide and water, water vapor, steam. There's some other things that come off that you know, but ga- gas is relatively clean. Like if it was coal, you'd be having sulfur dioxide, nitrogen dioxide, and all kinds of other stuff. But with, with gas, it's a bit cleaner. But it, obviously, the carbon dioxide is a problem. We just don't want to be adding another fucking atom of the fucking stuff. You know, it, it's it. it, it it's a powerful greenhouse gas, Um so the idea is that if you can kind of like funnel the gas through some kind of apparatus, take the carbon dioxide out, and then, then bury it somewhere. And the idea is, you can, for instance, you can capture it in in lime, and, and make like a uh, like like a kind of a, a carbonate, you know, and then you, that's and then a solid material that you can then bury. And the idea is is to, is is to is to put all this stuff uh, in in the empty oil wells in the North Sea. You know the the North Sea was full of oil and gas, mostly being emptied. But of course, it leaves a big it leaves a big cavern inside inside the earth's it's just inside the earth's crust at the bottom of the sea. And they just put all this carbon dioxide in there. Now the idea of capturing it at production. Well, it can it can be done. It has been it has been done. It's very expensive. You know. and of course they, 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 they are going to have stranded assets mm-hmm. if if renewables become so cheap which technically they are, right? which become so cheap that, that the gas can't compete and then you add the price of the carbon capture onto it which doubles the price, I don't know what the figure is but it, it's an expensive process as you can imagine it's going to be a non-starter anyway and according to um, Andreas Malm, you know, he says the big the big thing they're going to be fighting against is is that BlackRock and all those people and all the shareholders do not want stranded assets. You know, it's it, 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 it suddenly you can't sell your shares in BP because nobody wants them because oil is it, it, nobody's going to buy oil because the solar energy in ten twenty years time is like. A penny a gigawatt, you know, or whatever it might be, and that this stuff's like thousand pounds a pint because you're doing the carbon and capture. And this is likely to happen, and this is what the struggle will be. When it comes down to it, the struggle will be on. It will be about the money and the profit. It's always about and, the money and, and the, the profit, power. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I mean the other thing of carbon capture, and this really is half-baked, but I know Bill Gates has put a lot of money into this. I've seen films of these apparatuses that he's had, these guys build, you know. And, you know, of course, cars, petrol cars, you know, they're, pump- they're, they're travelling everywhere, so the carbon dioxide's coming out everywhere. It's not like, if it's in one spot, maybe you can catch it, like a cement works or a power station, you know, uh, or something of that type. Or some, or some process that emits CO two in an industrial process, some metallurgical or chemical industry process. You can see that. You can say, well, that's kind of semi feasible, and we do know it, it. It has been proven that you can do that. But there's there's there's, there's gigatons of CO two coming out of vehicles, and that of that's that's in the air, and gigatons of CO two coming out of agriculture. You know. And, and in fact, worse than that, it's the methane that's, that's, that's kind of quite dodgy out of agriculture as well because it's, it's a much stronger greenhouse gas than CO2. So you've got all that ga- all, 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 all that going on, and the idea is that of you have to build these big machines with fans on them and they'll suck the air in, take the CO2 out, and a, a, a lower CO2 air comes out of your side, and then you'll do as so you have to kind of like find some way of capturing it, dissolving it in something, or capturing it in some solid and then burying it in these chambers, but you those know.
0: Those machines sounds like they take a lot of electricity to me.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, it really is a non-starter. But I, I thought, well, I'd, you said to me, well, what's it, what it about? And I kind of roughly explained it. But I said, it's a while since I've looked at it. I'm going gonna, gonna to just have a quick look on on Google to see what they what say, make sure I haven't dropped any blunders, read the detail. And anyway, uh, this is instructive. I put go, I put Google, I put carbon capture technology. Yeah, go. The first, the first thing that comes to me, first thing on the list of suggestions from Google is from BP, and it's sponsored, British oh. Petroleum. You know, and I go down, and there's Aramco, which is one of the big, the world's biggest oil companies. and then the National Grid, the British National Grid. You know. But all, all very, very pro, all giving these glowing reports of how wonderful it's going to be, you know. Greenwash all the way. But uh, expect that, that jumped out at me. I mean, regarding the Israel Israel are the good guys, it's getting harder and harder to...
0: Defend that position in any way, really, isn't it?
1: <clears throat> yeah, 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 you said it perfectly. It's... It, 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 Pretty, well, to my mind, it's in, it's impossible in any coherent way without tremendous psychological uh, dissonance and denial, just profound denial. Yeah, You've you know.
0: got to turn the truth completely inside out to make you, any you, of that make sense. You,
1: you really, you? you really, you really, really do. And I don't know whether I want to say any more about that, really, at this at this juncture. Um, but they're definitely trying to nudge us there. But it, I think there is a dawn in that it's that it's going to be bloody futile. You know. Now, in this vein, I'll mention just one of the sources I've been using. I, and and i look at many, many sources. I'm, I'm sort of, for instance, I'm reading Ilan Pappé, who's an Israeli historian, on the, on the. Um, well, I'm reading his book called The Ethnic Cleansing of Palestine. This, is a, this guy's a proper historian. He's a proper scholarly historian. These are people, people I trust. And I don't say they always get it right. I don't say they're without bias. But, you, you know... Because that's impossible, but nevertheless they do, they do the scholarly thing of try and get it the truth the best they can and he's very good and I've read a big chunk of that and uh, um it's a very very it's a very sorry story but somebody else who I pick up and the, you you might find this counterintuitive uh, and uh, whenever he's got anything to say i'm always I'm always interested in hearing and that's colonel Larry Wilkerson Lawrence Wilkerson. Colonel Wilkerson is uh, describes himself as a card-carrying Republican and a proud American and a military man. He's a Colonel. He's a military man all his life, but he's a very smart guy. He was Colin Powell's chief of staff, and Colin Powell was the Secretary of State under, under uh, the second Bush presidency, George W. Bush. So being being that guy's, this is the second most powerful position in the United States, really. I would, I would think. Um, Colin Powell himself, a military man. Uh, um, so so Colonel Wilkerson really was was at the heart of the beast, and he's Very smart. He he, he was there because, because because of what he knew, you know, a bit because of the range, the range of his knowledge and experience. But he's a card Republican. But I tell you what, he hates this lot with, 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 with a passion, you know. And he, because he thinks they're just fascists, because he's just like he's like a mom-and-pop store Republican, you know. But he, but I say he's not he's not daft, and he he's, he doesn't mind discussing stuff with people, you know. So I got a, I've got I got a certain amount of time for for him. Strange as it might seem. And it, he here points that Israel is no longer a strategic asset for the United States. Said so the truth of the matter well, that's is. That's
0: a pretty big statement.
1: So Israel is now a liability for the United States, yeah. a strategic liability in the Middle East. You know now. At the time, why, why Israel got so much American backing was because, well, it's, an air, it, it's basically a stationary aircraft carrier, they've even called it that, stationary aircraft carrier. Joe Biden, when he was a senator back in the 80s, a that if we didn't have Israel, we'd have to invent it. And he's speaking strategically. He's not, he's not talking about any kind of morality about the Jews needing a homeland after what happened in Europe in the thirties and forties, you know, the Holocaust and all the rest of it. Now, no moral concern. It is purely about the geopolitical geopolitical strat- strategy. And anyway, in response to this stuff that's happening now, Wilkerson said, uh, um, you know, he said something to the effect. He said, I never thought that Israel was a viable state and that by maybe 2050, 2060, It would probably no longer be a state. Uh, He says, but now, he says, I think it might have 10 years, tops. He doesn't think it continues a state. And I'm presuming because he, he believes that the United States, it will dawn upon the powers in the United States, that it's no longer an asset. It's a liability.
0: Do you think they'll just stop funding
1: them? I I I think there'll be there'll be more and more questions about the funding, even though you've got to bear in mind that the Congress, I mean the House of Representatives, had had a a vote on uh, basically whether to be pro-Israel or not, and and there was only one voted against. Even even the squad, even the Muslim members of the squad, voted.
0: From Israel, yeah. did
1: they? Yeah, they got they got they got oh whipped. God. I'm presuming they got whipped.
0: Oh. And of
1: course, the British Parliament's more or less the same. Yeah. We've got a few more dissidents. But nevertheless, despite that, one can presume that it will dawn. And and it'll be a lot lot more difficult for Israel to get that support, especially as they go more and more and more and more genocidally. You know. I mean. Um, also, the, the, the dynamics changing regarding the Arab states, you know, what was about to happen was, was that Israel was going to sign an accord with these Arabs, the, the surrounding Arab states. And it looks like that's all been shelved now. The, the Arab states have, have to take notice of the Arab Strait, which is now getting very, 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 very fucking upset. Bear in mind that this is a region that, if not so many years ago, went up in flames in the Arab Spring. It went up in flames. The people were out. OK, it went badly. It did go badly. There was a sublime moment, and then, well, for Syria, 10, 15 years, whatever it is, of, of horrific grinding war, which is a proxy war now between Russia and the US, basically. All of this is about oil and gas, still. If you want to draw the connection, it's all about oil and gas. Interestingly, there's a big gas field right off the coast of Gaza, which <laughs> technically would, belong, oh, would yes. belong to the Gazans. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the last thing they want them to have. It,
0: Absolutely. Because
1: if they just sold it on the open market, they're going to be a wash with money. Yeah. <laughs> you they know. They definitely
0: don't want them to have And if they've they got money. money,
1: they can do things. Yeah, All kinds of things.
0: Yeah. They'd have power yeah. as well, yeah,
1: uh, and they'd have power as well. So this—it's a very, very complicated situation there. I think Wilkinson's right. I I'd put—I I'd put like a tenner on. There will be no Israel state in fifteen years' time or twenty years' time. There won't be. It'll be somewhere else. Now, whether it means Turkey goes in and flattens the, the IDF, which it would, the Turkish army is—is is, is the strongest land army in the world, according to Colonel Wilkinson. He says it's by far stronger than the U.S. land army. They don't have a strong, a particularly strong land army because they rely on smart weapons, guided missiles, cruise missiles, drones, nukes, all the surveillance that they have with the satellite networks and all the rest of it. They rely on the tech. But Turkey's got a land army, and it's fairly—it's fairly kind of. I think there are some case-hardened troops there because they did a lot. They've, they've been sort of grinding it out with fucking ISIS for ages from what I can figure out I don't know but they're also in NATO added complication and they're also they're also very very well equipped and huge Wilkinson says they'd flatten the IDF even though it's very well equipped they'd flatten it I mean their military experience amounts to, to, to sort of bo- bombing what seems to me to be like a like a huge council estate you know on a daily basis. Like that's comp they call Bad it there's no resistance. And they call it combat. Yeah. It's not combat. No. Combat's when it's when two two people face each other. Yeah. You know. With either with weapons or, or whatever it is, you know, it's not combat. It's not combat. It's uh massacre. So either way, it's uh, it's not gonna pan out great there and um, is somebody you have to take seriously on these matters. Colonel Wilkerson, he's quite rigorous within his own paradigm. I mean, he now teaches. I think he t- he, t- he teaches military history or something. Some some university, some professor somewhere, you know. I, lo- I actually I like the guy, you <laughs> know. And uh, even now, obviously, as, as 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 he comes from an area of, area of life that I'm adamantly opposed; it shouldn't even exist. We certainly do not need a military-industrial complex. It's holding the human race back. Terribly. So Radio Four has been in the business of persuading us that the fascist state in Israel are the good guys, and well, climate change is real, but we'll will manage. And 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 you know, big oil's got it in hand, and because because they are, you know they uh, they claim they're handling the energy transition for us, and they do build wind farms and stuff. Horseshit! I call horse shit on the lot of and the BBC. Radio 4 Today programme is a propaganda outlet for the establishment, which means basically the military industrial complex, big oil, big finance, which of course puts all the investment in all of these fields.
0: yes that's a good summary of all the things that we were discussing when we were walking on the beach earlier incidentally the sun's actually fully out today i know it's gorgeous Blue skies, isn't? which is like the first time here in wales in a really long time so it's been quite a special day today yeah, it was sunny
1: yesterday It just there was a or freezing we have cold a little bit of sun yesterday there was yeah. A freezing cold icy wind
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i oh, mean today was special <laughs> because there was like a very low wind and bright sunshine, but like credibly credibly cold it's cold for yeah. Britain no, anyway
1: nice out there though.
0: anyway folks I hope you found that interesting We um, hope you're all okay yeah. and we'll speak to you again soon yeah
1: make knowledge great again may all beings be free all of them every single gnat insect amoeba and human being